Hey, before we start with our interview with Chad Rickensrud, uh, we the thought... The Chad Rickensrud. Oh, the Rickensrud. Chad Rickensrud. Sorry, I, uh, I did not give him the respect with which he deserves. Of course, this is a guy who uh, all of my communications with him seem to be about brown liquor, but beyond that... Uh, before we get started with that, uh, we want you to know that we did record this at Share. Uh, we did not have all of the equipment that we normally have in the studio, and it will not sound quite as good as our normal episodes. It's it's decent, but you know, if if you're if you're getting ready to fire up that tweet to say hey, your podcast sounds just put the tweet away. Just yeah, sa- save yourself thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, step away from your Twitter account yeah, for a dude, sec. Go outside. Also, before we start, we should definitely do a plug for our sponsor. We definitely should. That's that's what we're here for. Yeah, because you know people will pay us. Yeah. The nice thing about being in Poughkeepsie is we get to talk to a lot of experts in Z. We also get to go to these conferences and and rub shoulders with clients and uh, other business partners who are really really into Z. Uh, so we think that's a big part of what makes what we do cool. Uh, now you have an opportunity to get to talk to some of the IBM experts uh, without having to listen to us, although you should still do that. Definitely should still do that. Expert advice for Z. You go to ibm.biz slash Z underscore consult. Uh, it really couldn't be easier. You fill out this little website form that says, hey, this is what I'm kind of stuck on or I want some information on. This is the best time and the best way to reach me. And IBM will pair you with somebody who's an expert in that field who wants to help you. So no reason to you know wait until the next conference call or to get you know wait until your rep is coming out there. Uh, this is not a replacement for opening up defects or talking to your IBM rep. It's just it's just something else, and we think it's kind of nice. Yeah, imagine being able to talk to some of the cool people that have been on Terminal Talk, like the coolest people, like Anthony Sophia. Mm-hmm. Or or Rosalind Radcliffe. Yes, yes. Terminal Talk alumni. Yeah, the the really coolest of the cool. Right. Yep. Uh, if you need help with your podcast, I guess we could help out too. Yeah, Maybe. You, they haven't sought us out. Yet no, I don't anything. think anybody's going to say, "Hey, can we talk to Frank?" Kind or Jeff? Tarnished our our uh, reputations. Well, you yeah. know. But anyway, yeah. Expert <laughs> advice for Z. IBM dot biz slash Z underscore consult. And now on to. The Chad Rickensrud. Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast. No, that's not going to work. Welcome to Terminal Talk. Welcome to Terminal Talk, the podcast on mainframe and mainframe related topics. I'm Jeff. And I'm Frank. <laughs> and Frank was doing some. I assume that was a good take. Oh, it's it. fantastic. We're, that's, we're good. That's for the Terminal Talk Don't. top tier subscribers. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to do the For our Patreon the subscribers, <laughs> we've got one, one, one Frank actually just coughed up right there in a little bit of a dish. Right. You know, Frank just coughed up a lung. Why don't you cough up like five bucks a month? <laughs> We're here bleeding for you, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing but the best. Actually bleeding for you. Okay. Welcome to Terminal Talk, the podcast on mainframes and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And we have with us today... (laughs) Let's do it one more time. Welcome to Terminal Talk, the podcast on mainframes and mainframe-related topics. I'm Jeff. And I'm Frank. And we have with us... For a second time, and I believe Terminal Talk 
top tier subscriber. Made frame hacker. No, not that one. The other one. Chad Rickensrud. Hey guys. How's it going, man? It's going well. It's going really well. I feel like it's been like 274 days since we did this last. <laughs> Something like that. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, good. I think we should just get right into it because we have a lot of very important questions to ask you. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I'm, I'm a little nervous now. Oh, good. So no, the first question, most important, my voice is going because I'm trying to encrypt it. How much more encryption will it take before you can't hear me at all? I think what you're going to need right now, uh, Frank, is the vocal blockchain. <laughs> if you really want to make this work. Because I can tell you're trying to roll your own and you should never do that. No. Blockchain will sort that out for you. Right. Yeah. That's what I've heard. <laughs> Great. We started off well. <laughs> so now that uh, there's pervasive encryption on the system, you know, how do you justify taking money because nobody needs you anymore? Right. It does solve everything. And so what we do is basically go around and tell people not to use it because otherwise I'm not going to be able to feed my family. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a, it's not a panacea, as we've discussed before. It fixes a nice... Uh, suite of risks, but not all of the risks, not all the things. Um, data exfiltration is the name of the game with, with pervasive encryption in terms of what it does. So, yes, do it. Uh, B, make sure that you're careful when you do it because, as it turns out, encryption destroys your data. <laughs> and there's only one way to get it back. So you should know what you're doing before you flip that uh, magic PE switch on. Um, but it definitely is a good tool to use, and we get a lot of people using it. But um, you still need to do the uh, the basics. Do you help people with that a lot? Because there's a lot of work. I mean, I, I heard uh, some really high-level person said, you just click click something and it's done. But I'm pretty sure there's a lot more involved yeah, I think the click something is the uh, is the purchase order, <laughs> uh, but the actual implementation of it is um, it takes a little bit. Of, it takes a lot of planning. And um, there's a couple different ways to make it work on the system, which are actually fairly slick. From the manual embedding keys in your JCL to to the less manual SMS routines to the very slick, uh, but a little more complex to implement using RACF to deliver the keys. The ICSF setup and the key management is really the lion's share of the work. But the um, uh, once it's going, it's a fairly slick and transparent process. Uh, but it is a couple of switches. It's at least two or three switches that <laughs> okay. have to be turned on. Toggle switches. Toggle you know, switches. Back and forth. Yes. Right. Yes. Correct. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it seems like there's, there's a lot more to understand than uh, about this than just, you know, I have this thing, I'm safe. So you just recently got back from um, the, the cool hacker conferences out in Vegas. Yeah, right. Yeah, just got back from Black Hat. Yep. Um, when you're talking to the, uh, I'm assuming mostly non-mainframe people there, are is uh, you know what kind of questions do you get after you've talked about like you know what you're doing and you know the business aspect of things? It really the the people I run into um, at non-mainframe conferences, so, so the unwashed masses basically, right? Exactly. <laughs> the people that I run into, um, the uninitiated, fall, fall into one of two categories. Generally, ninety percent of the time, either. Uh, I agree with you, I know your work, or I know of what you speak, and yes, the mainframe needs some love and attention, we've neglected it for too long, or 
we still run those things. <laughs> right. That's the other camp, right? And so the first one is a, you know, is more of a nuanced conversation about where we need the work and what we need to do. Is it technical? Is it services? A combination of both. Uh, and the other one is kind of fun because it's like, yeah, you know, how did you get here? Oh, I was on an airplane. Okay. Well, you used a few mainframes in that process. You know, have you run through an ATM yet? Well, no, because it's black hat. All right. right. But presumably you have <laughs> used a credit card or an ATM. Yeah. Well, then you've probably run through a few mainframes. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, education sometimes that has to be done before you can do an opening conversation. But like, where do you start? Is it, is it a discussion of parallel sysplex or kicks or do you say, Okay, imagine a thing that's a refrigerator, but black and making a lot of noise. It depends. The talk I gave out there was um, about writing exploits for mainframe and how to get started in finding vulnerabilities in code, and it was really technical. It was very much like debugger level, um, opcode level, you know, principles of operations kind of talk. Wow. And I started out basically only with, you know, two slides, like here's a mainframe, it's important, Here's some numbers on why it's important. Now we're going to get right into it. And I'm speaking to them as if they already know everything they know to be there because there's been, there have been lots of talks about basics on the mainframe, why it's important, what's important, the kind of stuff you do. And if I have 50 minutes to talk to an audience and they're a technical audience, which this is a fairly technical conference, um, I'm just going to get right to it. And the goal is hopefully that the talk becomes a reference work. Right. That, that, Maybe I, maybe either somebody who knows mainframe wants to learn more about it or, wow, I didn't know you could do that kind of stuff. Or somebody who doesn't says, hey, you know, I'd like to get into this and get to the green light back at the ranch when they go home. And then they can use that as like, well, this guy said this thing. And, and I try to give them like enough and a reference material where they can go and then, and then learn more about it. So it depends on the audience. If I'm talking to somebody in a, like more of a sales capacity, um, then we have to start from a, so usually an opening is something like, how are you doing uh, vulnerability management in your organization on the mainframe? And that starts out with like a, a what? Yeah. Or, uh, or we don't. Or it's out of scope. And then we go deeper and deeper and deeper. But the con- it's such a big topic. It's such a big platform. Yeah. You know, it, it really depends on the audience, whether it goes down the road of kicks or web services or the operating system or passwords, whatever. Cool. So you do a... Uh, Lion's share of your work is mainframe related, right? Do you have uh, a lot of negative experiences with mainframe people? Is there a lot of condescension um, from people who have been doing mainframe a long time? You know, hey, we already know what we're doing. You know, what the hell are you doing here kind of thing? So when I first started doing this, I got a lot of that. Um, because in, you know, some of it was just being new on the scene. Some of it was just maybe coming like a little too hot, uh, on some of these things. (laughs) I got a lot of that. I get a lot less of that now. I get generally, you know, go to share on these other conferences, give a talk. I read all the feedback. I will say that in, uh, share, what was the last share? Sacramento? Yeah. I gave a talk there about, um, Mark Wilson and I gave a talk about, uh, it was called abusing SMPE. And it was basically a discussion (laughs) around, how if you don't protect SMPE, it can be used to install malicious software unbeknownst to you. That's going to be hard to find and get out of your system because of how deeply and integrated that would be. Very well received. Um, I got a great education from uh, John Eels after that about why we can't sign our code. In fact, he gave a talk here uh, this week about why we can't sign all of our load modules and everything, which is an exceptional talk. Highly recommended. People huh. read it. Why that is not feasible on the platform. 
that was great. Great outcome, great feedback. But there was one comment on the feedback form was that, like, which is of course the one that we always focus <laughs> my on. My favorite, right? It was like, you clearly don't know what the H you're talking about. This is nothing but FUD. No idea about the mainframe or SMP or anything like that. Dot and on and on and on. And it was an anonymous comment on there. And I was just like, wow. That's, I just, I mean, you know, I, I, when you get past the chuckles of it, right. and you go back and think like, what, where, where, where is that person where they were, you know, cause we're going to show very technical how this works. And, you know, I got John agreeing with me, like, yeah, that would work if you right. don't do this, who, you know, and, and, and it's like, well, where are they coming from? So I, I still get some of that sometimes, but I think some of it is either willful ignorance or like, Listen, I got five years left in my career. Yeah. I don't even start thinking about don't this. Don't make this hard for me. <laughs> don't make this hard for me, right? And, I want, and I the other thing about it is if you're presenting and someone says, I, I can show you that you're wrong, blah, 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 you're wrong, all they have to do is raise their hand and say, you're wrong for the following reasons. And if they're if they're correct, you'll say, my God, yeah. this is all – everything's crumbling before me. And I like that. I mean, right. if they yeah. can do that, that's great. Because but the I'll, fact that they did nothing and then no. did it in an anonymous comment. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly I've become Reddit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> With less cat pictures. With or more. Few, either or way. More, or more. Or more. Depends yeah. on the ones you look at. Yeah. Um, I mean, you are you are known around Cher as, like, you know, the security guy. Yeah. Um, I, if you're like all security minded and everything like that, how come Frank and I are the only ones wearing tinfoil hats? Uh, <laughs> I <clears throat> honestly, I just assumed that was like standard Poughkeepsie issue headwear. <laughs> I didn't realize that you were doing that just because uh, because I was here. I, I mean, mean, you got to stay safe. There's, yeah, there's hackers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, well, I and mean, they're all over. Uh, but I just assumed that was what they gave you in Poughkeepsie when you leave the office. Oh. <laughs> Make sure that the government doesn't, you know. Get all the information out of so your that brain. So it doesn't help. It doesn't. No, it doesn't help. Really? You're doing it wrong. Huh. I didn't even know we were allowed to not wear them. It's hard to keep them on. Well, this will make it a lot easier to get through airport security. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm just going to take mine off. Now? Huh? Yeah. Oh, that's better. Okay. So oh, I had no idea how bald you are. <laughs> Put it back on, Jeff. Seriously. I don't need to know any of these things. Put these back on. <laughs> So what what sessions have you been um, attending uh, and, and doing this week? Share. Yeah, I've been to a few uh, security sessions, quite a few security sessions, um, vulnerabilities on the mainframe, and um, some stuff about encryption. Uh, Eels a session about why we can't, which was just still fantastic. And if you want your head to explode, like can you that, give us the, the the thirty second? Yeah, I would, I would yeah. love to. I would love to. So. So my contention was prior to this, so just to set it up for you, right. you know, I've got an iPhone, and the way the iPhone works is you have this. Um, so, so encrypting your programs is kind of a chicken and an egg because you encrypt it, but then something's got to prove that it's okay. Right. But in order for that to work well, it's got to start from like the first bootload. You've got to have something in hardware that can verify the first bit of code because then it's that integrity chain. Right. You must first line. invent the universe. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So, but then you've got these code and have your, your Mac, Linux, everything has these binaries that are signed that, that there's a certificate and you know, if you tried to run one on your Mac, like it doesn't work. So why can't we do this on the mainframe? So this was my sort of naive, you know, thing like we should be doing this in the mainframe. There's lots of vulnerabilities here. The reason is because of how mainframe binaries are constructed and loaded and saved. For instance, uh, the the typical atypical or the, the typical load mo- uh, mainframe binary is the load module. It's the one that's the most backwards compatible. It's been around forever. Um, the same load module in terms of functionality, even in terms of building blocks, can be built 
four, five, six different ways. Uh, order statements in how it's link edited. Um, uh, there's all kinds of other stuff about how the, the relocation segments and how the external segments are populated, when they're populated. Then you throw in program objects, right? The other type of binary that lives in a PDSE or lives in, in Unix. Uh, they have an entirely different construct, and there's four or five formats of those, right? And then you throw in patching. When you patch something with a, with a PTF and you've got something that, you know, is an initial patch and then this supersedes this and this is a co-rack and whatever, how those are applied, there's multiple options that will fit legally how those can be applied, but the actual stacked binary, when you get all done, can be arranged in a couple different ways. And as you know, for, for a cryptographic signature to work, it's got to be bit for bit right. from start to finish, exactly the same. So the the answer is basically in how these binaries are constructed, the modularity, the flexibility, the backwards compatibility of these binaries doesn't allow us to sign them in any meaningful way. There's like a few edge cases of things you could sign, like single mod, load modules, um, certain types of program objects, but it's really an edge case. Um, the thing that they that, that everybody kind of agrees that they could sign that would add some value to the process is the packages you get from SNPE as you download from IBM. Those could have a signature because they're created, they're sent to you, so you know that what you ordered is what you got, and we can verify that. Right now it's just a hash. Right. So if you can write to that file, you could recreate the hash. But if it was a signature, that wouldn't work. So it's really, really interesting. And and he went through all the yeah buts as well that he's gotten <laughs> over the years. Um, and it and basically put, you know, could you do this in memory? Could you do this? No, it doesn't work because of how the programs are loaded. And he gave us history on this as well as matched it up with the RFC that has to do with uh, program signing who admittedly say that this is complicated. This is actually really a complicated thing to do. So it was a great education um, and and he just went through it in you know, agonizing detail which is fantastic, <laughs> right? The kind of stuff you like if it's, you're into this sort of thing. It's unlike John Eels to be <clears throat> agonizingly detailed. <laughs> John is a rock star. <laughs> yeah, I don't like to hear that. It was great. <laughs> but I, I've been... Um, doing some AI sessions uh, here this week. That's kind of my new gig is doing uh, artificial intelligence, deep neural networks. And where we're starting to see a lot of the um, AI stuff being used is for uh, intrusion detection and trying to find like anomalies and stuff like that. Um, and there are some people who are talking about using you know straight, AI, <coughs> straight up AI models to try to detect somebody's trying to hack into the system or somebody's trying to inject some code. Is that something that you're dealing with or seeing in the in your studies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have so many funny things about what, everything <laughs> you just said, but I've just, like, ultimately, um, somebody pointed, said one time, like, is AI just a bunch of if statements, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> basically, what it breaks down to is, like, a whole bunch of nested if statements. I think I saw... In my a, mind. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was on Twitter or Reddit or something like that, but there was a, the Scooby-Doo <laughs> ripping the mask off of the bad guy, and yeah. it, it was labeled as AI, and underneath it was just a whole bunch of ifs all over their face. <laughs> right. Um, I haven't seen anything that is um, practicable on the on the mainframe in this space and I've um, the the thing the closest thing I've seen is talking to some people about I hesitate to call it AI because when I think of AI I think about things that you can really like you know sort of like the Google bots where they fed them 
nothing but Reddit for weeks on end, and then they ended up being like horrible, racist, awful, <laughs> vile bots by the time they had just shut them down yeah. because like of all this. Did you did you see this? Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely madness. But it, it comes back to that <laughs> 80s, 90s anti-drug commercial. I learned it by watching you. <laughs> I learned you. it by watching you, okay? <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, so what, what I would like to talk more about, I mean, the, the statistical analysis or anomaly detection right. kind of stuff is abs- absolutely, uh, I'm starting to see the right kind of that. Here's, here's an example. Um, we had a conversation with a, um, a vendor last night who does um, some kind of like software-based storage stuff, right? And and said, well, you're kind of in a unique position here because you think, and I've been, we've been talking about this for a while where you think about a batch cycle. Batch cycle is fairly predictable in terms of like the statistical analysis of uh, how much do files change? How much do they grow? How much do they shrink? The uh, overall, you know, rate of change of, of data, numbers of files created, deleted, that kind of stuff. If you map, and it's relatively the same and predictable, maybe you have a high month end or a quarter end, but again, it's still going to be in the same pattern, right? Right. If you think about from a lot of the things that bad guys want to do, is going to necessarily like you think about ransomware, right, or something like that. That's going to change those numbers markedly. So if you if <clears throat> start talking to some of these storage vendors, like you see this, right? You've got workload manager, you've got like your CA, your your kind of uh, scheduler tools, um, but you've also got like the um, st- the backup and recovery folks. They're all going to have a piece of this and see this. So if you start to see, for instance, like. Um, more backups being scratched tonight than you know a standard deviation plus t- two right. um, than you than you normally see. Or these files are getting backed up, and the the difference between how they're normally backed up, which is like incrementally ten percent difference, is now like ninety percent difference. You're in a great place to tell us that something's up. Right. And these are the kinds of things I think we should be looking at in terms of um, statistical or anomaly detection. Same thing can you can do with network, right? You get the same kind of flow with network. You know, 9 a.m. it starts to ramp up. The number of packets, the location of those packets starts to ramp back down about 6 o'clock. And all, but all of a sudden you see these anomalies where it's like we've got a range of IPs that are doing a tremendous amount of – and maybe and so maybe it's a conversion. Maybe we did a merger and acquisition. Fine, but at least we know what that was for. Yeah. So I think the, the beauty of the mainframe is like all this data is there. Yeah. You have – Way more data than you'd ever want. But in analyzing that data to get pictures of it, I think. And I don't think it has to be – it's not AI. We can call it AI if you want. We call it machine learning. We can call it blockchain. But I think well, we, that's, we, that's yeah. we should call it blockchain. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what blockchain is, actually. <laughs> I think it's quantum. <laughs> it's quantum. There we go. Quantum blockchain, yeah. I think. Oh, just <laughs> patent pending. Patent pending. <laughs> I got that. Hold on. I just registered the domain name. <laughs> I got it. We're Damn. Damn. <laughs> he is um, better. But I think that – I think that what this really – is is some good old-fashioned statistical analysis, the kind yeah. of stuff that we the manufacturing industries have been doing for a long time when they look at anomaly detections in their quality uh, manufacturing process and that kind of stuff. Like the, the, the knowledge on how to do this is out there. And I think those are the kinds of things we start thinking a little bit beyond the job failure, security violations, and start looking more at the metadata about how many jobs are running and at what time and how big are the files changing and the extents that are being created and the allocations and all that kind of stuff to get the next level. The stuff that you would look at in hindsight. And, and you know, there's, there's, Forensically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a big effort um, or a big push right now to say we're going to use AI to um, replace you know, the, the, the expert. And uh, obviously, I don't think we're in a, in a space to do that. I don't think it is even the right thing to do. I think the right thing to do would be to say, uh, hey, Mr. Expert, I'm going to make your job easier and point you to something that we think 
looks like this could be it could be a problem. And obviously they can swat it down and say, no, I know this is a merger acquisition. This is just somebody, you know, this is a scheduled kind of thing. It doesn't fit the patterns because of that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it is, uh, yeah, it's something that comes up a lot, the, you know, uh, statistical deviations and anomaly detection. It's, <coughs> it's, it's uh, equally interesting and terrifying at the yeah, same time. I mean, it, it, it's a, the mainframe is a great platform to do this because, one of the biggest risks of the mainframe is the is the one of the biggest problems is the concentration of risk, right? Yeah. And we've talked about this. I think like you get a, if you get a, access to the mainframe in the, in the like high level privilege access to the mainframe, you have access to the SAN. Yeah, you have access to all the networking stuff. You have access to all the security stuff. Where in the distributed world, those are broke out. So if you get access to a Unix box, you don't necessarily have access to the federated security stuff. Unless it's in Jurassic Park. Unless it's Jurassic Park. Right? <laughs> those little like, rotten ones running around. Like, slash. Yeah, different. But then you just reboot. Yeah, yeah you're good. You yeah. get a reboot, but it takes a long. You need time. to have the password <laughs> and the, the, tree. the yeah. password. <laughs> wow, that was a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> but I think. But the thing is, like. So that's a big risk, and that's a big problem on the mainframe. But but what in terms of anomaly detection, that's actually great because all of the data that you need about all the things is in one concentrated place. You don't have to try to correlate your switches with your web server, with your app server, with your database, with your SAN to figure out if there's something going on because it's all right there. Yeah. You ought to be able to do that. And the thing can crunch some numbers, right? So you ought to be able to do that you know, on the platform. Um, to be able to get that information to get the kinds of alerts about activity that you're looking for. Behavioral analysis oh, yeah. fits in that a lot more in my mind than kind of an AI-type model. But Maybe we can argue semantics all day. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the next podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in while we all argue semantics for an hour. <laughs> you can do that easily. How much of the work that you do is forensic and how much is it is um, kind of proactive? I mean, there's a um, there's a slide in a talk I gave a while back, and now it's been pilfered and used by lots of other folks. Where we talk about the discipline of incident response, which is a discipline DFIR, right? Um, Data forensics and in incident response, I think, is what that stands for. I was going to come up with something completely different. <laughs> yeah. you know. We'll give you some time. Give me your best that, shot. That's a different podcast. No, uh, but I, I, I think the F had a different meaning than yours. <laughs> And the eye. <laughs> Boy. So um, that is a non-existent – it's a fairly mature discipline outside the mainframe. It is a non-existent discipline in the mainframe outside some very, very small huh. uh, circles, especially incident response, which is like what, do you, what are the first five things you do if you think you have a breach on the mainframe? Right, and it, you get the look is probably not unlike what you guys are doing. Right, now. <laughs> right? it's like I don't know. Tell me what they are. You know, it's like you know, full stop. Right, but don't shut it down. Right, shut yeah. down your communications, shut down your activity. But don't shut the system down. Don't read out. Don't IPL the system. These kinds of things. All this kind of stuff is is a somewhat mature discipline elsewhere. Um, we don't get to answer your question. Uh, we, we see a little bit of the forensic side of what happened, um, like uh, financial crimes and that kind of stuff. Um, a little bit of that, vast majority of it is testing security controls that exist or finding weak or missing security controls. I mean, that's, that's kind of the name of the game right now because if you think about it, incident response is sort of a, is sort of a, a discipline that comes once you've got some of that down. If you can't protect people from breaking into your house, there's really no point in like coming up with a massive, you know, like how are we going to put our house back together after they break in? Because it's like, well, you really should stop them from coming in to begin with. Like that's your best prevention is your better 
time spent right now until you get to the point where you're doing prevention and detection really well. Um, the unfortunate thing is the world has surpassed us in terms of its um, uh, sophistication. And so we, we really need to be kind of pushing forward on all fronts. The incident wow. response and everything is a great big gap that somebody should fill in this world, uh, in the mainframe world. If, if you're out there, just call me. <laughs> and how, how can people get you know, uh, you know, we, we're, we're going to save the plug for the end, but now might be a good point. You know, yeah, well, remind um, people who you work for. What yeah, so I work for a company called RSM Partners, and, and uh, we do all things Z uh, from managed service, professional services, security, uh, some security software. So uh, you can reach me, Chad, R, rsmpartners.com, or go out to www.rsmpartners.com. Or if you want to have a more casual conversation about something, you know, I'm uh, at Big Indian Smalls on the Twitters, <laughs> uh, and I get quite a bit of uh, interesting traffic there. You're as good. Well. Fo- you're a good follow, and your uh, followers are good followers. <laughs> yeah, too. yeah. Follow me out there, and um, Phil Young, Mainframe Who? Seven Six Seven. I've never he's heard the of other, him. He's the other guy. He often gets mistaken for me. Uh, lots of people are, like chase him around and be like, "Are you Big Indian Smalls?" And he's like, "No, I'm the other guy." You know that happens <laughs> all the time. It's awkward for him, but yeah, it's weird because he's the one that always wears, you know, the, yeah, he's like, always got the hoodies, the hoodies on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, where, where's your hoodie, by the way? Yeah, I did. I didn't. The hell? I didn't yeah. bring it actually. No, huh. I don't bring it to share. <laughs> I'm a little weird about it. Here. I, I have a kind of a, a technical question about um, security yeah. and encryption for you. Yeah. Um, is, is it possible to, like, encrypt something so much that, like, all the bits flip around, like, all the way and all the ones turn into zeros and then back all the way to the other side to ones and, like, the thing is, like, encrypted but it isn't because it just flipped completely around because it's, like, super encrypted but it's really not? <laughs> What about that? Frank, you put him up to this, didn't you? <laughs> You're just laughing too hard over there. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the, um, this is like occasionally we will, so I'm not going to answer that question, <laughs> but occasionally we'll, we do a lot of reverse engineering of software and occasionally we'll find just ridiculous uh, uh, software from vendors or, or customers have written for themselves where they say, oh, don't worry, we've saved that password or that secret something encrypted. And I look at it in memory, and if you've done this long enough, you you, you can start to see things. Like, I know what Base64 encoding yeah. kind of looks like. And like, now that's Base64 encoded. <laughs> that's right. right. That's just a text encoding. Right. That's, that's not. That's, you, you've made it so it can be loaded on a web page. Yeah, you basically, <laughs> I can email that to myself. Thank you. You've done the hard work. Or, or this is an exclusive or, right? And what you're saying, I think, is like the double exclusive or. Right. That yeah. makes it really, really secure with the four times, only even numbers. That makes it really, really secure. Uh, I was secure. basically trying to rework the whole, could God make a burrito so hot that even he couldn't eat it? <laughs> Right, like but, Bruce Schneier writes a crypto algorithm, <laughs> so complicated that even he couldn't. <laughs> well, uh, the the rule I've heard is that one should always bake their own encryption schemes. Yes, is that, that's correct. <laughs> that is the number one rule. It's super easy. Uh, there's lots of how tos out there. Right. Yeah. Go write your own. I mean, if you don't like the password algorithm that IBM uses on their mainframe, write. I highly encourage people to write their own. Or how good's the sarcasm detector? On this? That, <laughs> I, I worry. Is sometimes. it turned up to eleven? <laughs> I, you know, because somebody's going to go and God bless them is going to go and transcribe this whole thing. Yeah, and you know, I don't think they have like a keystroke yeah. that says um, hashtag sarcasm. He's being <laughs> yeah. sarcastic right so now. So the thing, the answer to the question is is 
and the the old the adage has always been like if you have if you write your own crypto algorithm first of all don't write your own crypto algorithm yeah second rule is if you have to write your own see rule number one <laughs> but the real rule amongst those who are sort of blessed to do this is if you write it you get it peer reviewed you publish the algorithm far and wide you get it peer reviewed by everybody you can to make it stronger better and because a, a good algorithm the only thing you should have to protect is the key material mm -hmm. so for instance if i'm logging onto your system i know it uses des or whatever it uses i know how des works and i can you can give me the crypt the uh, ciphertext the actual encrypted part of it and the algorithm and a good algorithm that doesn't it should be able to stand up against that so it doesn't matter what the uh, ciphertext is or if i have it it doesn't matter what the algorithm actually is under the covers if i don't have the key material then it's basically stands alone so one of the things that IBM has been talking about is encryption algorithms that even the quantum won't be able to help you decrypt. Do you know anything about what that means and well, how can that be done? Yeah, I don't know how it can be done, but what the, the, the problem that quantum provides is basically this. Um, there's a primitive in, in crypto that basically says that no, no crypto is unbreakable, right? It's, it's a matter of what we refer to as computationally infeasible. So, for instance, um, I'll put IBM uh, X-Force was out at, uh, at Black Hat. They had a booth out there. And apparently the people over in P lent them a bunch of uh, servers. And they had this rig set up there where... Um, you could type in a password and it would, it would encrypt it with NTLM. NTLM is the um, encryption uh, password hashing algorithm used in Windows. Very, very ubiquitous. And the early one was, was trivial to crack. And the, the latter one is actually not, not so hard either. But they had this massive array set up there. So you could put an eight-character password in, and within under like six minutes, it would spit your password back out at you. <laughs> it just cracked it re real time, right? Which is, uh, which is kind of... But I put zeros cool. in for O. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's I put um, three in for E. That so that makes it so that <laughs> what, what that makes is wait. I think that's the answer that Jeff was looking for in his earlier question. Uh, you just rotate everything. Yeah. Rot thirteen, super <laughs> double, rot double rot thirteen. That's way better with a double XOR chaser, and then you're basically set. <laughs> we killed. We killed Frank. <laughs> So, we did it. We did it. We did it. We did it, guys. Hey, <laughs> we just killed Frank. I wish this was a video podcast right now. Frank is as red as his shirt right now. <laughs> we killed Frank. He's going to pass out. Uh, all right. Just fall that way so you don't knock the mic over. So, Sorry. Um, that's fine. Uh, thanks for that. I appreciate the feedback. Uh, I think, you know, so, so the, the issue is... Good crypto algorithms for storing passwords are necessarily slow. When IBM went from DES to KDF-AES, they slowed it down by a massive order of magnitude. And yeah. the reason that that's good is because if I'm trying to brute force it by ch choosing candidate passwords and then seeing what the output is and then seeing if they match, um, you want that to be as slow as possible. So computationally infeasible means that if I'm going to brute force a key space of all of the possible things based on some kind of password or whatever, that all, you know, it would take all these computers we have like a trillion years to do that, right? What quantum basically provides is the ability to like that number become computationally feasible no longer is infeasible. And so we have to come up with algorithms that basically can, can withstand the, the supercomputing power, whatever you want to call it of, of quantum. And I am not an expert in quantum, whatever, but I mean, I understand it at that, at that level that we've got to be able to like, you know, 
we got to make them hard, really hard and really slow, <laughs> complex to be able to work it out. So your double X or may or may not survive. <laughs> right. Back, back to the drawing board. Darn. Yeah. So um, maybe you've done a lot of hacking as part of, of your work. Hmm. I'm wondering if you can um, hack into the hotel and and fix it so the faucet doesn't go from ice cold to you know lava. Yeah. In in one somewhere in between. Yeah. No, I can do that. Absolutely, I can do that. As a matter of fact, they use a. um, Well, I mean, they're using x86 back. (laughs) So this is this is going to be hard. And I heard I heard Uh that the entire faucet management system FMS runs on Java. (laughs) So. I imagine by the time I get my iPhone booted back up and out of here, like, that'll be taken care of. Awesome. I appreciate that. No problem. What, what is something that somebody, um, perhaps mainframe professional or not, just on a strictly security-minded, you know, can be doing to, you know, be a better um, citizen in this world of evil hacker people? Advocate for yes. this operation. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, the number one thing, which is, feels kind of trite, but is challenging sort of the, the status quo groupthink that's out there. I mean, we still get, you know, the mainframe can't be hacked or some kind of inherently <laughs> secure nonsense, yeah, right? Inherently secure. Which is just insane. Uh, challenging that status quo, uh, I would also uh, invite them to to really, you know, deep down a lot of these folks, especially the ones that have been around for a while, some of them know these things. Some of them have this idea of, like, start to talk about that in more of, like, just not, a, not such a closed forum. Uh, because some of that happens where they still think like they're sharing state secrets. And I think we have to be a little more open about it. Um, the, the, the nature of securing the platform as a whole will, will come from sort of the, the herd, uh, vaccination kind of idea, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, if we all start doing this and we all believe that it's a threat, then we'll all start improving our game a little bit. But, but the nature of business, cynically or otherwise is such that we're not going to spend money on a threat until we really believe it's a threat. Right. So we either need to have, like, put enough information out there where people start to get nervous because it's no longer talked only about behind closed doors, or we need you guys to go just, like, hack a bank somewhere and, like, just tear that thing down because that'll get, <laughs> that'll get people off their wallets, right? And I, start, think, I think it might. doing that kind of stuff. So, you know, Frank's looking for a job. So I'm, uh, <laughs> um, I, I just have uh, one more question. Um, this uh you know, going back to your hacker roots, but mm. if, if if you're such a good hacker, okay, what's the last thing that I downloaded? Right, I got to think about this for a minute. Hang on. Um, so I'm I'm coming up with like uh, lots of women's names. Uh, <laughs> oh wow, it's weird. It's got all these doing female. Like it's like all these female <laughs> names, and they're all. Uh, I think it was Mambo Number Five. The the. Uh, Hip hop version, street He's version. Good. No, good. wait, wait. Dance mix. Wow. That, that's He's good. How we doing? He's my end. He's really good. That's yeah. frightening. Wow. To be honest, though, Jeff, it was probably the last ten things you downloaded. <laughs> we don't need to get into that. <laughs> what What happens while I'm on a, away on the conferences? Is uh, you know. What happens in St. Louis State? Those, those no, hotel rooms get you know a little lonely. <laughs> Right. And the last thing Frank Googled was, like, what does Steve Urkel sound like? <laughs> no, I don't. 
Before we close out, uh, we'd like to thank once more Chad Rigginsrud. He is a uh, friend of the pod, <laughs> a top-tier Terminal uh, Talk subscriber. Uh, you, you like those extra episodes, right? Oh, my God. I love those extra they're, episodes. They're the best. <laughs> yeah, they were the best. We do put a lot of work into them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, people can uh, contact you, follow you. How again? Uh, Chad R at rsmpartners.com is my email or at Big Indian Smalls on the Twitters. Either one. Happy to talk to you about all your uh, mainframe needs and wants. <laughs> Desires. <laughs> oh man, Charlie, run us out now. <laughs> like right now. Like right now, quick. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off. <laughs>